Listener Production. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Take it away, Lindsay Green. Hello and welcome to Just the Gist, a weekly-ish podcast in which ordinarily Rosie Borderland and Jacob Stanley give you just the gist about a story they think you'll find interesting enough to share. Oh, good job, Lindsay, (laughs) at a dinner party. I am Lindsay, who you normally hear laughing in the background of these episodes, but for this one, I am taking control and trying something a little bit different. Mm. In this episode, we're going to give you a bit more than a gist of a Christmas movie by recapping it scene by scene with friend of the podcast, Simon from The Adam and Simon Show and Gogglebox. Simon, welcome back to Just the Gist. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Lindsay, congratulations on your recent promotion. (laughs) Thank you. you are, uh, We're all very slowly. stoked with it. Absolutely. You're, you'll be driving the bus soon. This is good stuff. I know Jacob's trying to get a handle on my ego, but it's a tough job. Honestly, the diva behaviour <laughs> that I'm having to put up with now that Lindsay's become such a massive star across the nation is outrageous. <laughs> Absolutely. The rider call comes in. It's like, what happened to the budget? Budget's <laughs> gone. <laughs> Lindsay spent it all. <laughs> fine cheeses and wine only now. <sighs> We've created a monster. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you know what? She's very worth fine it. taste. She oh, delivers. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Agreed. You can only be a diva if it works. Yeah. Well, I have been promoted since we've last spoken, Simon. Since mm. we last had you on the podcast, what have you been up to? Uh, I've been, what have I been doing? I've been doing our podcast, which has been really exciting. We've, uh, we've just launched a live show. When does this episode come out, actually? This will come out on Christmas Day. Okay, cool. Well, we just had a live show uh, in the middle of December, which has been really fun. I'm actually planning a wedding, which is really exciting. Your own? Uh, Planning my own wedding, yeah. Mm. And by planning, I mean I've got a planner and they're planning it and I just send them cool pictures from Pinterest and they go, if you pay for it, you can have it. And I go, all right, maybe not. Maybe That sounds like the ideal way to be going about things. Mm. Well, yeah, we've kind of talked to anyone who's ever planned a wedding. So all the the gistners who are planning weddings Mm. and they want to not get married anymore, just Mm. get a planner. Mm. Takes all the stress out. It's fun. It's worth it, I think. Solid advice. And Mm. when's your wedding? Uh, It's going to be in March. Uh And where are you having it? Uh, In Melbourne, CBD. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh So city wedding. We were were supposed to go to Italy Mm -hmm. and then we had to tell my my partner is her family's Italian. Mm -hmm. So we had to tell Nonna that we were going to Italy and she couldn't make the flight and literally... She was the last person. Everyone else knew that this was happening and then we couldn't do it. So we changed it. So now the wedding's in Melbourne. <laughs> yep. And that's that's how it happened. But it's worth it. I think it's worth it because she's the goat. She's like 94, still uh-huh. up on the it's dance floor. Yeah. Doing her thing. Yep. Ruling the roost. I love it. Uh-huh. Couldn't couldn't have a wedding without her. No way. How are you guys both? Are you both well? Very What's well. What's been going on? It's been a big year. It's been a wild year. Lots of unpredictable uh, stuff happening. Over the you last few it. months, but yeah, we've made it. Yeah. You made it. Crawling over the finish line. And it's Christmas Day. Yay. When this episode comes out at least. And to celebrate Christmas Day, we have chosen, well, I have chosen because I'm the boss of this episode, the Christmas themed <laughs> episode that we're going to recap, which is the classic National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Boo. And before Boo. we get started, Jacob has already made his thoughts loud and clear. Wow. Simon, before, I already know what Jacob thinks. <laughs> I already know what I think. <laughs> what are your memories, Simon, of this film? Well, I've never, I'd never seen it. I'd really? never seen it before. Yeah. I'd never seen it until I watched it for this, um, for this show. Mm. And then 
I didn't re- I don't kind of get Chevy Chase. Like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Is he a cool guy or is he not a cool guy? Like, is he supposed to be like this alpha male bravado human or is he supposed to be a dork? Do you mean I his character in the movie or do you mean him as a person today? Well, his character in the movie. Uh-huh. But then also him as a person because I just kind of see them as... I feel like Chevy Chase just played Chevy Chase in movies. Uh, pretty know, much. This, this is like the vibe that I get. Yeah. How, why did you pick this movie, Lindsay? I what, picked it because Jacob sent me an email a couple of days ago saying I just watched the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure about it. Do you think that we should change the movie? I don't know oh. how many people have seen it. And I was like, no, everybody's seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Like, what else do you watch oh. at Christmas time? Um, so I went into this extremely confident that yeah. every Manny's dog has seen National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and that everybody loved it because I thought that I loved it. And I sat down to start watching the movie the other day and I got an hour into it, into this 90-minute movie, and I had a moment where I kind of came to and I was like, hang on a minute, this is for our Christmas episode. When are they going to get to Christmas? (laughs) And I realised that I had accidentally (laughs) watched the original National Lampoon's Vacation movie where they go on the road trip from Chicago to Wally World. So I'd watched an hour of this movie that I do watch every year and know very well Mm. and then I had to go and sit through another 90 minutes, excruciating minutes of a movie that upon reflection I realised I probably have seen once and can understand Brilliant. if other people haven't seen it before. So Brilliant. I'm coming into this with a bit of egg on my face. Oh. Brilliant. That's so funny. Lindsay. That be- Lindsay, there's so silly. many movies. I know. Christmas movies that always get talked about and I this isn't one of them. Yeah, Jacob. Would have been my first thought. Pitched Home Alone, which yep. I had never seen. Oh, my. Lindsay, what house did you <laughs> what? grow up in? What is this cruel world that you were... Raised in. But then there are others, like one of my favourites is Christmas with the Cranks with Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, That could have been a bit of fun. There's Mm. that new Netflix one with Lindsay Lohan that Jacob suggested, which could have been a bit of fun. Have you seen it, Jacob? Falling for Christmas, yes. I watched it immediately after I watched the Lampoon's movie as a palate cleanser. You will enjoy it if you know enough about Lindsay Lohan's troubled past because they make um, sly nods to that every now and then. Like um, the police men will come in and because she's got amnesia they can't figure out who she is and he says we don't have her fingerprints on file which means she's never been arrested and Lindsay sort of looks surprised at the camera. Um, so yeah there's lots of little winks and nods to like um, her past which is fun that she's sort of taking the piss out of herself and essentially she's playing Paris Hilton because mm-hmm. she's playing a hotel heiress who wears nothing but pink <laughs> um, and is very vapid before she develops amnesia and then she becomes a completely different person spoiler alert. Um <laughs> So it's rubbish. It is fluffy, fluffy bubble gum, but it's just enjoyable for her and for her alone. Brilliant. So I would have loved to have done that movie, but instead we're doing this I movie. I forced you to watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I yeah. assumed I had seen previously, mm-hmm. but it turns out I had not and I mm. was actually a much happier person in the before <laughs> times before I mm. endured the 90 minutes of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, yeah, I made it safely through nearly four decades of my life mm-hmm. avoiding this debacle, but um, yeah, now I'm cranky because I've seen it. <laughs> Christmas with the cranks, you could be in it. Perfect. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> so we'll get started. And I went into this assuming that everyone had seen the movie, but apparently they <laughs> Different hadn't. Different movie. Yep. Uh, I can almost guarantee that it's going to be on tally at the time that we publish this episode. So if you haven't seen it, you can still listen along to this episode and hopefully have a bit of a laugh. But it if it is on telly, I would encourage you to watch it. It's on um, it's on Foxtel if you want to watch it. Okay. I don't know if you guys and want to do an Stan. ad for Foxtel. Yeah, on Stan. Uh, Binge it'll be on. Yeah. If you do want to watch it. My preferred way of watching movies is on free-to-air telly with some Love ads this. in there. So I would encourage you to flick through the TV guide and then these this week, the Christmas week, and see if you can get the National Lampoon's. The only better way to experience it is with Harvey Norman ads inserted every <laughs> six minutes. Just to break yeah. the torture up I need a rest. every 15 minutes. So if you are in the camp of people who haven't seen the film, this is the description. As the holidays approach, Clark Griswold, played by Chevy Chase, wants to have a perfect family Christmas. So he pesters his wife, Alan, played by Beverly D'Angelo, and children as he tries to make sure everything is in line, including the tree and house decorations. However, things go awry quickly. His hick cousin, Eddie, played by Randy Quaid, and his family show up unplanned and start living in their camper on the Griswold property. Even worse, Clark's employers renege on the holiday bonus he needs. The movie came out in 1989. It's the third movie in the National Lampoon's vacation series. And I didn't realise until I was talking to someone in the office about this the other day Mm. that the whole National Lampoon's film ecosystem Mm. is based on a magazine that started in the 1970s called The National Lampoon. Mm. Did you guys know that? Yep. Yeah. No. It was yeah. a spin-off of the um, the Harvard, Harvard Lampoon. Lampoon. Yeah. What And what is The Harvard Lampoon? Uh, a satirical magazine. Oh. So if I, if I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lampoon is like a written version of a cartoon. Mm. A cartoon's a picture, oh. a lampoon's a uh, written word or spoken word. Um, and yeah, these magazines were just sort of general satirical magazines. And once these kids had left Harvard, they couldn't yeah. write for the Harvard Lampoon. So they started up their own National Lampoon. Is that right? Yeah. That's the sense that I got. And then they branched out into slapstick mm-hmm. movies like this rubbish. And albums yeah. and tours and the whole kind of cinematic universe. But the other Lampoon movies were massive. Is that right? Well, I they think got that they were all them, pretty so. big. I think um, I did write down the budget. There was four or five. There was the original one that I sat through um, unintentionally the other day. <laughs> then they- Lindsay just sprained her eyeballs, by the way, <laughs> rolling them to the back of her skull. And then they went to Europe, then they had Christmas and they went to Vegas. And these were all in like the 1980s, 1990s. And then there was like a reboot vacation in 2015 mm. with a whole new cast. Chevy Chase must have, I didn't read the plot, but Chevy Chase was in it, I guess, in some sort of like grandfather capacity, which I think was the highest grossing one at the box office, I imagine, because people went as a bit of a gag. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's a sequel to this one. There's a Christmas Vacation too. No. Yes, where Cousin Eddie, who we're going to meet no. in a little while, <laughs> um, he ends up getting shipwrecked, stranded on an island oh. over Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Oh. So maybe we'll do that next year for next Christmas. <laughs> Save it. God Save forbid. it. Look forward to that, everybody, <laughs> listening at home. Um, it's only 365 days away. <laughs> uh, but this... 
the original vacation was based on a story written by John Hughes, which was a story that John Hughes had written for the magazine. And he also wrote the story that this Christmas vacation was written on, was based on, it was called Christmas 59. Mm-hmm. And in an interview, John Hughes said that he and we don't know how accurate this is, but he said that he was begged by the studio to come back and write this movie. But at this point, the Lampoon's vacation movies had basically become a vehicle for Chevy Chase. So I think that this point in Chevy Chase's career was probably like he was like the top dog Mm. of Hollywood. Mm. Okay. He was pretty huge at this point, Mm. I think. Like he'd been on SNL and he Mm -hmm. was one of the most beloved comedians in entertainment at that point, right? Pretty powerful guy. Yeah. It certainly went to his head. We all know mm-hmm. he's been cancelled, right, in the last few years. He was What's fired he from community. Oh. Yeah, while he was playing Pierce Hawthorne on there, they wrote his character out and sent him packing because he was just a belligerent, nasty old man and he was using racial slurs. Oh. And we don't oh. tolerate that anymore. Um, so, yeah, he won't be coming back for the community movie. Um, yeah, wow. He's one of those types that instead of showing any sort of remorse um, at the time, he was just like, I am who I am and I like who I am and I'm not going to change. So <laughs> I'm going to keep using my racial slurs and I'm just going to sit here on my piles and piles of money and cry myself to sleep every night that you don't like me anymore. Um, yeah, so I don't think we'll ever see anything of Chevy Chase in wow. entertainment anytime soon. Hmm. So would the equivalent now be someone like maybe Adam Sandler or as Ugh. in minus the mm. racial slurs situation? Maybe uh, when Adam Sandler was in like his... Um, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, that Zenith. era. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, interesting. Maybe Pete Davidson? Who's the biggest on SNL on right way. now? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Pete Davidson probably needs a few movies. But I mean, he keeps getting girlfriends. So. <laughs> That's what he is. Have you One heard Pete other. Davidson's newest girlfriend? Is she a model? Emrata. Emrata, uh, yeah. yeah. I feel like by the time this episode comes out, it'll be someone different. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun little Easter egg. <laughs> um, and I, when I saw in the credits, the opening credits that John Hughes wrote this movie, I had a bit of a moment when you realised that Shonda Rhimes wrote that Britney Spears movie, Crossroads, because in my <laughs> mind, John Hughes is like the... I put him on a bit of a pedestal as the writer of like my favourite movie, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Mm. but also Sixteen Candles, A Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink. And to think that he had kind of stooped to the level of writing such a garbage movie, I did feel a bit bad for him. Like the opening credits are hard to watch with that awful, awful song and the terrible animation. But then I saw John Hughes' name Mm. and I got optimistic. I was like, oh, if he's attached to the project, then maybe it's going to be really good. No, no, let me. He was cash grab. Doing it for a bit of dollars. Yeah, I'm sure. He it got is paid an interesting question that you know people will often think this. It's like John Hughes, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Mm. But if someone came to you and said, "I'll give you two million dollars," yeah, you'd probably make a pretty garbage podcast for them, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, on whatever they really want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's so funny, like when Eddie Murphy does Daddy Daycare and all of these ones. You're mm. like, why are you doing this? You're like, well, because they pay me six million dollars. Yeah. You can't blame him. You really no. Can't. Yeah. Absolutely. I empathise. Poor John. Yeah. Poor John having to stoop to this level. Yeah. It's horrible. Poor guy. 
Again, crying into his piles of cash. Mm. Yeah, correct. Yeah, <laughs> Wiping tears with $100. <laughs> oh, so sad. <laughs> so we have the opening scene with the horrendous movie and then the film starts with a scene that will be familiar to anyone who has seen the original National Lampoon's Vacation. The family are driving in a car, the dad Clark, mum Alan and the kids Audrey and Rusty mm. in the back seat. We learn pretty early on that they're on their way to cut down a Christmas tree and the kids aren't happy about being there and then they get straight into the comedy making there is a truck that's tailgating behind them Clark and the truck behind them go in a bit of a dance weaving in and out overtaking each other like Fast and the Furious style big time yeah Yeah. think Vin Diesel Just about. And then very similar to Fast and the Furious, I'm sure this happened all the time, was that the Chevy Chase um, Griswold car gets trapped underneath the truck that they're driving alongside. I think that's actually in the first um, or the second Mm -hmm. Fast and Furious. That's a genuine scene that exacts exactly that. Is it? I've never seen them. I wouldn't know. Except Fast and Furious, they try to make it seem like they're grounded in reality, whereas this one, (laughs) they've just let that go from the beginning. So strange. That's when I gave up on this movie, when (laughs) they made it so clear that they weren't connecting to reality at all. Is the one of the most famous characters of National Lampoon's that station wagon with the wood (laughs) panel? That's like when I saw that, I was like, oh, I know these guys. Yeah. This is like, that's a full blown character. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very iconic um, vehicle. Yeah. There's a comedian, I don't know who it is, but they were thinking back on that trend in the 80s of the wood panelling around Mm. a car. And he's like, who is the person that first looked at a vehicle and went, (laughs) you know what this needs? A belt. But I'd love to see that make a comeback, the wood panelling. Absolutely. Well, they tried on the PT Cruiser. Do you remember the PT Cruiser in the early 2000s? It was a Chrysler car mm. uh, and it was station wagon-esque and that was – it's dubbed as like, you know, 60s surf car mm-hmm. and that's they that would be fashioned with the wood panels. Totally. Uh, and it looked just as bad. <laughs> Just as bad. Chuck a couple of surfboards on, though. You feel like you're in the 60s. You feel like you're a Griswold or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Stepping yeah. right back in time. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they're trapped underneath the truck. Then to avoid an oncoming snowplow, Clark swerves the car, drives over a snowbank and eventually makes it to their destination, the, par- the place where they're going to buy this Christmas tree. But rather than just choose one from I'm imagining a field where they grow Christmas trees, they have have to schlep off into the forest to find the tree, this specific tree that Clark is looking for. And then when they eventually do find it after Audrey, daughter Audrey's eyeballs have frozen over, they realise that Clark forgot to bring the saw with them. I think you nailed it, Jacob. It's just not reality. Like there's so many bad decisions Mm. get made. Mm. Like even in the car driving scene, like what, what, Clark, just relax, mm. just chill out, man. <laughs> why, why do you need to like fight the tailgaters? Don't antagonize the hillbillies. Yeah, absolutely not. You just don't have to, and then you don't need to end up under a car, mm. and then you don't need to go all the way out to get this tree, <laughs> and like the tree's too big for your house. Mm. Like all of these things are just blatantly obvious. Come on, Clark. Yeah, and we also, I think this is where they lost me. Was when we <laughs> were a minute in. <laughs> was when we see them driving off with. 
this enormous tree strapped to the top of their car, mm. roots and all. So yes. Audrey with her frozen eye eye eyeballs, Rusty, who's a teenage boy, Chevy Chase and his wife somehow <laughs> uprooted this enormous tree from its roots, mm. schlepped it back in the slow in the snow back to their car and then strapped it on top of their little wooden station wagon. I feel like it was written as a cartoon. Mm. And then at some point they were like, you know what, it would make even more money if we make it live action. Mm -hmm. We get Mm -hmm. Chevy Chase in there, we reboot the National Lampoon's franchise. I feel like this could have worked better had it been a cartoon. I still wouldn't have liked it. Yeah, no way. Don't you think that Rusty, even though he is a teenage boy, Mm. he simultaneously looks 12 and 50? (laughs) Because you're used to seeing him as Johnny Galecki in The Big Bang Theory. And so Is that Johnny Galecki? Yes. So I feel oh. like your brain's doing that trick where you're seeing him as an adult while you're actually looking at him as a kid. Oh, no. I just reckon he wears like old man clothes and just like says old man things and it just is a grumbly mess. And, right. But he, I thought he was 50, but also 12. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and the wife also looks like um, Amy Poehler. Do you guys think that? Good point. Yeah, I can see that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. She could be her in the remake. Yeah, and you know that's Juliette Lewis, the daughter, obviously. No, who's Juliette Lewis? Okay, I don't get to talk about Yellow Jackets enough on this podcast and whenever I do, <laughs> Lindsay tends to edit it out. But the greatest TV show in the world is Yellow Jackets, which is her most recent project. Okay. But um, mm-hmm. Natural Born Killers she was in. Ooh, um, I know the movie. She's a very iconic actress okay. that I can't seem to remember anything else from her resume. What's She's her name? Juliet. Juliet Lewis, L-E-W-I-S. Do I know? Oh, I know this person. Mm. Oh, I've seen her before. Mm. She's in stuff. <laughs> so at least she's made a name for herself in yeah, spite she, of this. She's in stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well done to her. Mm. Child actor gone right, <laughs> not gone wrong, which... To her credit. Scientologist, though. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, there you go. You mm, lost me. Mm, you lost me again. Yeah. So they've got this dirty great tree on the top of their car and then eventually they make it back to their house, which is when we're introduced to their uptight neighbours, played by Julia Louis-Strafus, Elaine from Seinfeld. And I was sure for the whole movie that her boyfriend was the creepy thin man from Charlie's Angels, <laughs> but then I looked him up afterwards and realised he wasn't. He's played <laughs> by a guy named Nicholas Guest, who means nothing to me. <gasps> Okay. <laughs> Love this. He's Christopher Guest's brother. Um, and if you've ever seen Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, This is Spinal Tap, mm-hmm. those mockumentary yep, yep, yep. movies. He wrote and directed all of those. Okay. And starred in what? a few yeah. of them as well. Yeah. That's his I feel part. like there was a few, there was like people, because Seinfeld wouldn't have been... Out at this point? It had just started like that year, I think. I think Seinfeld started in 88 or 89. Mm. Right. Mm. Because then also um, the – I forget his wife's name. What is his wife's name? Chevy Chase's wife in the movie's name. Uh, Alan. Alan. Alan's mum is the mum from Everybody Loves Raymond. Mm. Oh, yeah. Like there's just random assortment of guest actors who weren't guest actors in this. They were just actors at this point. Mm. And then they got famous – Later. Because of this movie. Maybe it's Christmas a star vacation. maker. It is a star maker launching pad. Mm. Here we are thinking it was a horrible, horrible waste of time. <laughs> Turns out, absolute star Launch maker. Launch the careers of some of our most beloved 
Mm. <laughs> and the uptight um, Elaine from Seinfeld and the guy who's not the creepy thin man from Charlie's Angels. I call them the Versace twins, by the way. <laughs> Love that call. Yeah. That's great. Um, they scoff at uh, Clark and his enormous tree and how he's going to get it into the house. But don't worry because Clark has a chainsaw and a hockey mask, so he's got it under control, <laughs> which we next see when he brings it into the house. It's in situ in the living room. It's all tied up with some ropes and the family is asking, Dad, don't you think it's a maybe a bit too big for the house? No, no, don't worry about it until he pulls the ropes off, the tree explodes, branches fly out the window mm-hmm. And Clark is covered in sap. It's a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> it absolutely is just slapstick comedy at its peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, at its trough. I would it's, say. Not, it's not good, yeah. Mm. At its peak, but not good. Mm. It is a cartoon. I think you've fully nailed it here, Jacob. Yeah. It's a cartoon that we're watching live action. Yeah, then it just doesn't sit right at all. No, someone tried to remake Roadrunner and mm. Wile E. Coyote. And then next we see Clark and Alan are sitting in bed and this is a kind of the first glimpse that we get of any kind of sense of motivation in this film or a sense of stakes. Um, they're talking, Alan's asking Clark if he really wants to have all the family over for a big Christmas and Clark said that all he's ever wanted was to have a big family Christmas at this house, at his house. Mm-hmm. So we kind of have an understanding of um, the his motivation in the movie, mm-hmm. gives it. What I guess they're hoping is a bit of a sense of purpose, which I would argue is not a great one. Mm. Not that it's a great motivation to like want to provide for your family. I just didn't really buy it in the film. There we go. Lindsay hates her family. <laughs> it's the headline from this episode. Lindsay hates her family and Christmas. <laughs> Oh, well, that's a bit sad, Lindsay. <laughs> um, the next scene, we're in the city at Clark's office where Clark's talking to his colleague who is played by Chandler's boss in Friends who likes to slap Chandler on the bum. Lindsay does lots yes. of Friends references <laughs> and they usually pass me by, but you got that one, so congratulations. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Bing. What are you doing? Bing. <laughs> Always. Yep, okay. That's a great get by you, Lindsay. Well played. Thank you. Um, the colleague of his uh, says that Clark is going to be named Food Additive Designer of the Year. Yes. What a title. And Clark tells him about a technology that he's working on, a crunch enhancer to seal a, qu- a flake of cereal and prevent milk from penetrating it. Pretty interesting though. Like imagine they have that. Your cornflakes, extra like crunchy nut or something. Mm. They put a little coating on there, Mm. plastic. Mm. I think that would be amazing. It's worrying. (laughs) Mm. Oh, it wouldn't be good for you to ingest. No way. You know we all have Teflon in our bodies, right? Oh, I'm sure. From decades ago when there was some really unstable form of Teflon was released into the ecosystem, got into the water supply, and now like every cell in every organism around the planet has Teflon in it. Smooth. Merry Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) And also at this point there is another attempt at a point to the movie, a plot point, which is the long-awaited Christmas bonus, which Clark says that he's going to use to put in a pool he's already paid a $7,500 deposit for. And at this point, his colleague says that Clark is the last true family man. So strange. What an addition. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it needed to be there. No. But it shows he's impulsive, he's arrogant, 
He's incredibly irresponsible. He's already nearly killed his family in the first minute of the movie by antagonising those hillbillies and being run off the road. Now he's shown that he's financially irresponsible and we're meant to be rooting for him. Mm-hmm. Do not, do not relate. Totally. The next scene doesn't add much to our sympathy for Clark. The next scene was just this this movie, part of what I found so frustrating was that there were just so many scenes that did absolutely nothing for the movie. The next one, Clark is at a department store looking at, I think, underwear when a beautiful woman behind the counter pops up and asks him if he needs any help. And because he is a bit of a sexual predator and also a loser, <laughs> he says that, like, he just completely loses the power of speech and says it's a bit nipply out and then starts to dab his forehead with some underwear and this scene doesn't end until his son Dusty interrupts him and breaks him out of this stupor Mm. and I got to the end of that scene and I thought, why did we see that? What did this add? It was just an SNL sketch, really, Mm. that they put in to sort of show his ability to deliver funny lines as an awkward guy would be my best guess. I mean, the movie's just packed full of filler Mm. because they've got such a flimsy story. Um, but And also it was the 80s and there was a boob quota, I reckon. They just mm. needed to show boobs at least three times. Um, that was screamed big 80s vibes, didn't mm, it? Mm. Like even just down to the department store, that's mm. big 80s vibes. And then just like wheel in the beautiful woman. Okay, you can just be present while, you know, our big star just comments about you and talks to you. And it's like, oh, make this stop. Like what is going on here? <laughs> it's hard to watch. It's so strange. And also like... Woman behind the counter, you're not showing that much leg to a customer. <laughs> just stop it. Like, come on. Everyone in this whole scene needs to stop it. But it just made you feel weird about, like, why Why is this person this person? Like, is this guy – and that's why I kind of asked was, like, is he supposed to be a cool guy? Because she seemed to be into it by the end. Mm. And then – but he's not a cool guy. He does all these things that are not good. Mm. But then it's like, oh, you are – am I on your side or am I not on your side? Because you – Clearly a bad guy. Yeah. Like I don't under I didn't it just it so confused me. Yeah, at the same time that he's the last true family man, he's also supposed to be like a bit of a sex symbol as well. Maybe not a sex symbol, that's probably going a bit too far. Um, but like a sexy there's a sexy part to his Women want him. Yeah, personality. Mm. But no. No. <laughs> I just can't see it. Mm-mm. I just cannot see it at all. She's maybe floating back because she's working on commission. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah, maybe, that's a nice yeah. way to mm. look at it, I suppose. Yeah, anyway, the whole scene is incongruous with the rest of the film. Really. <laughs> totally. But, yeah, okay, yep, yep. There's, there's just so much to unpack with this whole movie as to why they made decisions that they made. And I'm not sure that there's a good answer to any of no, the unpacking. no. You unpack and it just keeps going down and down and down. Next, we're back at the Griswold's house when the doorbell rings and outside is all the family that they have invited to family Christmas who come in and just immediately start complaining about their various health conditions. (laughs) (laughs) Clark, in spite of being the one last true family man, tries to avoid it as quickly as possible when he starts, when he goes outside to start working on the Christmas decorations, Mm. telling Rusty that they're going to have the best looking house in the street. Who's he competing with? It doesn't look yeah. like anyone else even has <laughs> no one, any other decorations out. No one else even does lights. Mm. It's like that miserable house on the street. Like it, the whole street looks miserable. It's not one that you would take your kids to. No. Mm. 
Because he's the last true family man. Everyone else in the neighbourhood's a yuppie Mm -hmm. and they're too cool for school. Yep, Versace couple. Mm, couple. mm, mm. And then he spends all day and all night putting up the Christmas lights and here we get a string of classic gags where Clark staples his shirt to the roof, falls off the roof, he sends a piece of the roof flying into the Versace neighbour's window, destroying their stereo, which then they go and argue over. That poor couple, perfectly innocent couple, actually didn't do anything wrong except for wear sunglasses at night time. <laughs> and lots of silver. They've become the victims of this dickhead who's making himself and everyone else around him miserable. It's weird that they're the villains, isn't it? Yes. Mm. What did they do? <laughs> they're just trying to live their life quietly. Although the um, the spoilers, I mean, this whole thing's a spoiler, let's be honest. The stalactite through the window mm. and then it breaks it and melts, genius. Genius. Mm, it's the perfect murder weapon. Is it? I was just mm. going to say, but I thought I'd better not in case I you know, <laughs> want to use it one day. Keep it up your sleeve. Sorry, ruined it for you. <laughs> so Clark's been toiling all day and all night. Finally, he's ready to show off his lights to the family, but then he goes to switch it on and nothing happens. Sad music click kicks in. Clark is very disappointed because, as we all know, from the very well-established plot <laughs> All he's ever wanted is to have his family over for Christmas and now he's let them down. And they don't care. <sighs> no. <laughs> and, like, I don't care. Mm. And it seems that Clark is the only one that does care. Yeah. He's got high expectations. Reality is not meeting them. He lives in a fantasy world. He's trying to make it come true. No one else gives a shit because they don't even see the fantasy mm-hmm. he's imagined. Yep. <laughs> Uh, At the same time, this is, again, some stuff that adds nothing to the film inside the house. Um, People are watching a parade. Audrey and Alan are making dinner and the grandfather... And smoking in the kitchen. (laughs) Sig's inside. Sig's inside. Shopping lettuce and banging a dart. (laughs) We uh, we recently... On our our podcast, we do a segment called Top Threes uh, and one of our top threes was top three things that say that you're drunk. Mm Mm-hmm. And Sig's inside was my number one. Yeah. Like if you're smoking darts inside a house, mm-hmm. you are very, very drunk. Yeah. But I look around, I don't think they were drunk. No, no. They were just running 80s. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and we actually discussed exactly that um, topic when we had Adam on talking about Bridget Jones's diary and the fact right. that in that movie, they're smoking in the office first thing in the morning and that was oh, 2001. So, morning Sig's. Yeah, still all through the 90s and into the early noughties, it was... That was still the culture and it's just so jarring to see it today. Someone yeah. cooking with a fag hanging out mm-hmm. of her mouth. And just to put this on the record, when people hear Adam's episode next week where we recap Bridget Jones's diary, I reference that very segment, Simon, because mm. I'm a showy. And Let's go. when people hear it in a week's time, I don't want them to think that in the week in between these episodes coming out, I've gone and listened to the episode. <laughs> I have not. That's how committed I am to the Adam and Simon show. Never miss an episode. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Good to have you on board. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and I just wanted to mention the grandfather is sleeping on a bunk bed and he's really excited to be sleeping underneath a poster of a really hot chick. Boob shot Horny number two. movie. Mm-hmm. Filling the quota. Mm. (laughs) Filling the quota, exactly. (laughs) Um, And the next morning, again, this is another 
pointless scene, Clark is opening the man cover to his attic and going up there to hide some Christmas presents. But of course, another classic gag, someone closes the manhole cover behind him. The rest of the family drives away to what looks like a day of shopping. So Clark is stuck up in the attic all day. And what I imagine is supposed to be very funny We have a Sideshow Bob-style scene where Clark is walking around his attic, standing on loose pieces of timber for some reason. They all come up and hit him in the head. He puts on some some rags, dresses up in them and watches some old family movies to while away his time until eventually Alan comes home and lets him out. One of those rags was a fur coat. (laughs) My question was, to whom does that belong? Yeah, why is it there? But you can imagine Alma Fudd doing the same thing. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And it would be funnier. Homer Simpson, same thing. Uh, Peter Griffin, all of them, they would all do the exact same thing. Because they're all cartoons. It works in a cartoon. cartoon. Yeah, I had to look away. (laughs) I couldn't. I couldn't. He just as unashamedly ruins his house also. Mm. Like smashing windows every scene. He falls through the roof at one point and just rolls with it. And it's like just, just magically fixed? Mm-hmm. Yep. And no they one probably ca- it. cover it up with the poster of the hot chick. Ah, <laughs> oh, maybe that's what the poster was for. Maybe. It covered up at a previous hole. <laughs> yeah. um, and the next thing we see is the Versace neighbours returning home from a day of skiing. <laughs> um, <laughs> the guy who's not the creepy thin man tells Julie Louise Dreyfus that he wants to kiss every part of her body. So they go upstairs to do that. But at this stage, we know that nothing is ever going to go to plan for them, the neighbours next door who haven't done anything wrong Mm. because Clark is at his house trying to get his lights to come on and when they eventually do come on, they blind the Versace neighbours who are upstairs getting Mm. intimate with each other. It's when she needed to have her sunnies on (laughs) at night time. The only time. Mm. The only time. Mm. And then there's this really frustrating scene where they go back and forth with the lights on, the lights are off. Clark gets really mad. He kicks over all the decorations in his yard until eventually they come come on full time, the lights do, and everyone's crying and it's the Christmas that Clark has always wanted. (laughs) (laughs) That mantrum he had... Apparently, that was almost all improvised. I wouldn't be surprised. He just started kicking and punching (laughs) all the Christmas decorations. That was probably the one and only time that I related to him because I wanted to be able to express my fury as well. Are you guys Christmas lights people? Will you go and visit Christmas lights or will you? No. Absolutely not. Are you? What both of you absolutely not? That was like not even just like no, nah, not interested. You're like absolutely not. No, no. Do you not like Christmas or you? Is it the lights? What is it about the lights that you don't like? You go first, Lindsay. I'm kind of neither here nor there on Christmas generally. Like growing up, my dad worked overseas and my mum is a nurse, so most of the time we would kind of like alternate. Um, years when my dad would be home and my mum would be home and then when my sister and I got older one or either of us or the two of us would be overseas as well so we 2020 was our first Christmas together in probably like over 10 years I'd say so I just don't really have like a very close attachment to Christmas Mm -hmm. Um, and Christmas lights I don't know I feel like yeah they look kind of nice but also I don't like buying things for the sake of buying things and 
kind of keeping up with the Joneses of the neighbourhood. So it just feels like a waste of money and resources mm. and electricity for something that you're pretty much only doing to tell other people in your street that you're kind of creating this image about yourself. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Wow. Uh, Jacob? Yeah, I relate to a lot of those sentiments, but uh, I think I overdid it as a kid. So growing up, I like learnt to play all the Christmas carols on the <laughs> piano and I would decorate every surface in the house. I had so much crap hanging from the ceilings. It looked like a, a shopping centre that had gone a little yes. bit too far somewhere Love in the this. suburbs. There was just tinsel everywhere um, and then... I, Honestly, I think I just took it way too far. And so by the time I was 17, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with Christmas. We don't do decorations anymore. We don't do the Christmas carols anymore. And in fact, we don't even do gifts anymore. Um, So, yeah, our Christmas is very un-Christmassy. We just do champagne blind tasting for a day. Um, you two sound like you would days, enjoy actually. wearing sunglasses inside and <laughs> silver jumpsuits. This is jumpsuits. why I relate to the Versace <laughs> twins. <laughs> I think they're the heroes of this movie and they've been so badly mistreated by the stupid man who lives in a fantasy land. Yeah, good. Sorry, good. we didn't get Simon's answer. Are you a Christmas light person? Oh, Are you a decorations Love type it. guy? Love it. Yeah? Love it. I reckon it's so fun. I think it's just fun. I think life's like can be very serious a lot of the time. Mm. So just to suspend that for a little bit. And I mean, I don't put lights. I don't even have a house. Uh-huh. I'm 35. <laughs> I can't afford one. That's how the world works. So I like to go to other people's big houses and look at what they've done. And, you know, usually, usually some of the stories when you get to talk to the people are quite nice where it would have just started out as, you know, the 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 father of the family just bought a little light and then it got bigger and then they just added and added and added. Mm. And then they kind of have decked out their house and I don't know, I like the I like the wonder and the joy that it brings to kids mm. because it's just, you know, kids are just not cynical like adults can be. Like me I and think Jacob. To, yeah, yeah like, I didn't want to say that, but yeah, <laughs> like you too. But then, you know, just to watch those little kids, they, they kind of love it and then just to be able to suspend your, you know, my, my life's pretty boring, guys, so it's not filled with lights and wonder all the time, so... Around that time, mm. it's like, hey, let's just go and enjoy it and see it for what it is. And I also like it when they make a bit of a gag with Santa. You know, there's like a Santa hat like coming out of the chimney. You're like, that's good stuff. That's his feet. That's not real Santa. I saw one down the road. That's the same thing. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you can kind of dress your house up like that. I think that, mm. I think that can be quite amusing. Also expensive and bad for the environment. I totally get that. Mm. But I just think that uh, maybe the oldies, you know, they're less keeping up with the Joneses and more just collecting over time, maybe. Don't know. No, I would believe that. I think that there is, like, definitely I think Christmas, if we're not thinking about it from, like, the religious aspect, I think a lot of it we do it for kids and maybe it's because I don't have any kids in my life Mm. that I am kind of separated from that spirit of it. Yeah. Mm. That, I do find that fun about Christmas when kids come back because when you, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people go through this, they are kids, shock, a lot of people are kids at some point. <laughs> they grow up, Christmas is fun, get to teenage years, middle 20s, and it gets a bit boring because there's no kids around in mm-hmm. the family and it becomes a bit of a chore and you've mm-hmm. done this all again. And then maybe that's it because there's a few kids in my life now, nieces and nephews and friends' kids, 
they're sick for Christmas. They yeah. go sick for it. And it's like, oh, this is the best. Like there is a made-up person mm. who gives you stuff, which sounds a bit creepy when you put it like that, but you can kind of sell it and you just it's quite fun to just live the wonder of those little kids and just, yeah, that, that part's quite fun. And so, guys, they- just find some kids to hang out <laughs> Pass, hard pass. I'll hang out with them once they've gone and got a job in retail and they can see yes. the truly dark side yes. of Christmas because, no, it's not about kids, Lindsay. It's about commerce. Yes. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> yes, it is about commerce. It's about mm. spending heaps of cash. But that's when I'll talk to the kids. Right. Back yeah, at nice. the Griswolds' house, Eddie has shown up, cousin Eddie and his wife, Catherine. They've brought two kids with him who weren't their kids in the original Vacation movie, which I watched by accident before oh. I watched this one. And <laughs> Did you expect excellent continuity in this franchise? Um, and someone, another family member, it might have been um, the mum from Everybody Loves Raymond, who is shocked that their daughter's eyes aren't crossed anymore. And Eddie goes, <laughs> falls in a well, her eyes go crossed. Kicked by a mule, they go back to normal. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant, writing. Mm. Brilliant writing. Thanks, John Hughes. Brilliant writing. <laughs> well, is that, so that guy is, he's Randy Quaid. Is that, I'm yep. assuming Dennis Quaid's brother? Yes. How um, strange. Mm, he's a massive QAnon supporter. Dennis Quaid? you missed it. No, Randy. Really? Oh, that's yeah. not surprising off this character, yeah, yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Randy went full Trumper mm. and full oh. QAnon dude. Yeah. Kicked wow. off all the social platforms. Yeah. That's so interesting. Mm. Is Dennis Quaid still Dennis we- Quaid? He's pretty straight and... Straighty 180? Wouldn't have a clue. Haven't checked in for such a long time. <laughs> yeah, all right. Fair enough. There you go. There's one for the listeners. Check in on Dennis Quaid. Mm. Tell us what he's up to. <laughs> um, they go inside. Eddie and Clark are admiring Clark's Christmas tree. Eddie says that his older boy is preparing for his career. College, Clark asks. Carnival, Eddie adds. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> And so classist. <laughs> Kick by a mule and going to work as a carny. And then the next we have another scene which adds absolutely nothing to the movie except to establish that as well as being uh, the last family man and a sexual predator, Clark is also a bit of a kiss heart <laughs> because he goes into his boss's office and gives him a gift and the boss says to just leave it on the table with all the other gifts and then the scene ends. Uh, okay. And they're all the same. All the yeah. gifts are the same. Do you know what it is? I actually Googled this. Because <laughs> I was curious, like, that's such an intentional choice that mm. all of the gifts are like an L-shaped thing. Um, they're all a desk organiser. This oh. is like a trendy thing around that time in the late 80s that everyone had that. Right. So everyone in the office is a kiss ass, and everyone's got the boss, the same desk organiser. That's um, Everyone wants a Christmas Hoping to bonus. curry favour, yeah. Yeah. Why do we get, and Lindsay, as the most experienced National Lampoon watcher <laughs> on, the, on the show, uh, do we know why Eddie and Clark hate each other or why Clark hates Eddie? I don't is that know established the, in the other ones? Um. In the first one, when they're doing the road trip, they stop in at Eddie's house and I don't know if they hate each other so much as just Clark finds him a bit insufferable and a bit hard to tolerate, like hard to spend time with Mm -hmm. Um, because in the first one, Eddie makes it very obvious that they're pretty down on their luck and they need some money. There's this one scene where Eddie asks Clark if he can borrow some money and then Clark 
brings his wallet out and he's like probably counting like $50 or $100 or something. How much do you need? And then Eddie goes, about $52,000. So I think that Eddie's just a bit of a mooch. Gotcha. Which is why he doesn't like him. Right, okay. Um, and then we're, we're, we've left the Griswold's house. The family's outside in some sort of park, forest kind of area. Clark is greasing up a sled <laughs> to go sliding down the mountain and he's greasing it up with his, because he's food additive designer of the year, <laughs> some special cooking oil that is, oil, sorry, that's apparently a Clark recipe that <laughs> makes you go extra fast. His own special blend of lube <laughs> that makes you go extra fast. <laughs> and at this point, I didn't understand this. Eddie says that he um, has a plastic plate in his head. He used to have a metal one, but he had to get it replaced because, and I quote, every time Catherine revved up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for an, a half hour or so, which I did not understand. No. Oh, he, was, <laughs> <laughs> he was having a seizure. Oh. <laughs> He's obviously been kicked in the head by that mule <laughs> and they've had to repair his skull with a metal plate and the metal plate acts as a conductor for the microwaves. Oh. And it caused him to have a seizure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just didn't understand why that whole scene was in that. there. Why are any of the scenes in there? Because filler. They've got to fill <laughs> fluff so this out to filler. 90 minutes. It sure. should have been a three-minute Mary Melodies uh, cartoon <laughs> short that would just be put on in the afternoons leading up to Christmas. But instead, <laughs> they've made it this marathon of annoyance. <laughs> <laughs> So you big fan, big fan of the <laughs> big fan of the show. Looking forward to the remake. Ready to go. So Clark <laughs> slides down what turns out to be an enormously long mountain because he just keeps on going and going and going through this forest. And I really love the very sophisticated CGI in this scene of him just whizzing down the mountain, crossing all these streets, and eventually coming to a stop without any injury. So again, very relatable. Wiley no. Coyote. Mm. Yes, Wiley Coyote. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think you've yeah. It's a cartoon. The whole thing's a cartoon. How did he get so fast and then go slow and then fast again and then he was slow and then he was on fire and then he could turn and then he couldn't turn and then he could stop and then he could start and then he could and the sled looks like it sucks as well. Like <laughs> what are we doing here, Clark? Like look after your kids, man. Look after your kids, bad womanizer. Yeah. This is another scene I had to look away. I couldn't take it in. So thank you, Simon. You've just filled in some blanks of what I missed when I had yep, to avert no my gaze. <laughs> um, next we're back at Clark's at work. Clark has his own office because apparently it's a perk of being food additive designer <laughs> of the year. Mm. Comes with an enormous w- window which he's looking out of and playing with a model of a swimming pool. His uh, colleague, the guy, boss from Friends. who <laughs> da- the deposit buys you? Yeah. <laughs> a little toy $10, version $10. of the pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chandler's boss, who taps Chandler on the bum, comes in and Clark, I love this, tells him that he's just finishing off a few things, which I think anyone who has worked in an office job on the last day of the year can probably relate to. And his colleague asks if Clark has gotten his bonus yet and Clark said if he doesn't get his bonus, he is screwed because he's already outlaid $7,500 on this pool. So fiscally irresponsible mm. to put down a down payment on a pool. 
without consulting his wife, who is the no. sensible one, <laughs> as has been established. Um, yeah. But she seems to have no influence over him whatsoever. All she can do is roll her eyes, cross her arms and go, oh, Sparky, mm. every time oh, he does something sparky. stupid. Intol- <laughs> like, just, come on, man, don't do that for a pool. And also, it snows where you are. Yeah. <laughs> How many days of the year in Chicago are you going to be able to enjoy that very expensive pool? Like, and then what do you do in winter? Freezes over. Well, you got to drain the pool. What do you do? Yeah, like your pool's going to crack and all the pipes are going to crack and then your house is going to be broken. But he clearly doesn't care about his broken house at all. Mm -hmm. So he just... Whatever. Because Clark all he wrong. wants is what we see in the next scene, which is he's back home, he's looking out the window, he's imagining having a pool and having all of his family mm. me- members over because, again, he's just a lovable family man. But we also need to be reminded that he's also a sexual predator <laughs> because he, amongst his family is the hot woman from the department store getting naked on the side of the pool. Again, they need to fill the boob quota. This is probably <laughs> boob shot number four. And just as Clark, the sexual predator, lovable family man, is about to reach climax. (laughs) Was he touching? No, he wasn't touching himself. But the way that he is ogling over this imaginary woman gave me the impression that he wasn't far off. (laughs) Had a little throb going on. (laughs) Yes, just a little kitchen session. When his niece interrupts him and thinks that he's Santa Claus. Oh, oh, the niece who has the southern vocabulary (laughs) but not the southern accent. God love her. <laughs> horny movie again. Mm-hmm. Random horny scene. Thoughts? Yeah. I really think Sh- it is the matter of the, the quota to fill. Yeah. Just like, oh, no one will watch this if we don't have boobs in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. bring back the hot chick, get some yeah. side boob. It's the 1980s. Without that, we've got nothing. That I guarantee that shot would have made it into the trailer. Yeah. To draw oh, crowds that's to a the great theater. call. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. that's a great call. And then she's swimming, which, you know, Hey, everyone at home, imagine that the hot girl is swimming. It's like, mm. oh, I'll go watch this movie. Mm. And then he immediately has a like a like a very sensible discussion with a small child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once all the blood rushes back to his head. Yeah, like are we expected to think that he Yeah, right. So he definitely was having a bit of a danger session in the kitchen and then Be still my beating Small shorts. child. Yeah. That's too much of a contrast, too yeah, much of a jump. It's jarring. Too much of a jump. The niece tells Clark that she is worried that she's not going to get any presents this year because they didn't get any last year. And she tells him that she loves being at the Griswold house because they live in an RV and at the Griswold house you don't have to put a coat on to go to the bathroom. And just so we don't forget this very, very important plot point, we Clark asks this child, this young girl, if she saw a man deliver a letter earlier today, his Christmas bonus, which she says no to because she is a little girl. Why would she be answering the door to collect mail? (laughs) And then before she leaves the room, she asks Clark if he's sure he's not Santa and he said he can't even afford to be an elf. Mm. Oh, that's sad. Don't feel bad for him yet. Maybe you shouldn't have spent $7,000 on a deposit for a pool that you don't know that you're going to get. Also, don't talk to your small niece with an erection. That's (laughs) gross. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so there's big problems here, yeah. Clark, and the money ain't the biggest one, my friend. Oh, horrible. Um, next we get our first bit of, like, toilet humour, which, to be honest, I'm surprised it has taken them this long. Uh, mm-hmm. Eddie is outside pouring the grey water waste from his RV down the storm drain <laughs> because when Clark asks him why, Eddie says, 
The shitter was full. <laughs> <laughs> Why else? It's, it's full, it's full. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Mm, you got to do what you got to empty the shitter. <laughs> Got to empty it. It's the most sensible place. And you've got to do it smoking a cigar (laughs) and drinking what looks like a wild turkey and cola first thing in the morning. I think uh, he was wearing a robe as well. Yeah, in his underwear. Mm. Oh, there was one um, scene earlier. If you you are going to watch it and watch along, (laughs) when we're first introduced to Eddie and he's inside, check out what he's wearing. He's got some really rogue long sleeve and then a turtleneck underneath. (laughs) But it must have been hot because you can clearly see that they've cut the turtleneck so it's just like a breastplate <laughs> and he's just wearing like a, a turtleneck under he's wearing a bib that's tucked under his shirt and that's the turtleneck. Check it out. Oh it's, now I feel like I need to go back and do a rewatch. Hey guys, let's all watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> let's go back and watch it again. This would be awesome. This would be so good. Uh, then Take we next screenshots and send them to me, please. I can't. Yeah. <laughs> From the storm drain, we cut to Alan and Clark. They're talking about how Eddie and Catherine probably don't have any presents for the kids. Eddie hasn't worked in the last seven years, but he is hoping for a management position. And then I think this the point of this scene is to position Clark as the ultimate family man who works hard for his family, unlike Hick Eddie, who hasn't had a job. In seven years. He was kicked in the head by a mule. <laughs> yeah, he's got plastic in his brain. Yeah. Give him a break, guys. Oh, Give him a break. And then this is reinforced even... <laughs> I'm not sure if you can see that, guys. I've just pulled up the... Uh, what did you Google? Uh, I, was, I just Googled Eddie National Lampoon Turtleneck. Eddie National Lampoon. And then go to the images of that. It's worth it. Turtleneck. It seems to be a common Halloween costume. Oh, wow. Okay, so yes, because the over-sweater, mm. the top layer, is white mm. and then the turtleneck bib is black, <laughs> um, it, does, it it is distinctive. I can see how you picked that up. Yep. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. That's my next Halloween costume. <laughs> Sorted. That was QAnon Dennis Quaid's brother. <laughs> Um, The next thing we see, Clark and Ed are out shopping. Ed tells Clark that they had to sell their house, so that's why they live in their RV. Clark takes pity on... Because he gave all his money to a TV creature. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Thinks I actually... I legitimately found that funny. (laughs) Which (laughs) sounds like the kind of thing that a QAnon follower would do. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. That rang true. Wasn't acting for that one. Mm. (laughs) Um, Clark takes pity on him and tells Eddie that he wants to help him buy some presents for the kids. Um, He, because he's the ultimate family man, of course, Eddie attempts to act coy and say no, but then pulls out a list of presents for the kids. And then finally, finally, we get to the final scene of the movie, which is approximately, although the movie is 90 minutes long, it feels like this final scene is at least 17. I'm so glad you (laughs) suffered as much as I did and I tried to warn you. It was painfully long. Painful painful how long these scenes were. I gave you an out and you didn't take it. No, this will be fine. We'll all have a great time. This will be great. The advent calendar clicks over to December 24th so we know finally the movie is almost coming to an end. More people come to the house. There's Bethany who's senile and has wrapped up her cat in a box. When Clark asks her to say grace at dinner, she says a pledge of allegiance instead, which is very funny. 
Clark does the honours of cutting open the turkey and I actually did really like this moment. It deflates and Christine, Eddie's hick wife, says, I told you I put it in too early. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob, I know you're a vegan so you wouldn't eat this anyway, Mm. but even me as a meat eater, I think that would be a challenge to eat this meal. (laughs) turkey jerky. It was pretty dry. It was pretty dry. That is a scene actually like was okay. He finally had his moment of satisfaction. His fantasy Mm was coming true Mm -hmm. and then the bubble was burst by that deflating turkey (laughs) moment. That was one of the okay moments (laughs) of this film. They're eating dinner while they're chewing on their deflated turkey. Eddie is eating straight from the serving platter. The dog is under, Eddie's dog is underneath the table, yakking on a bone and vomiting. And Uncle Lewis asks for his stogie, which is Mm. another word for cigar. Mm. All while this is happening, the cat is, the cat who belongs to Bethany, the senile woman, is in the next room playing with the Christmas lights. It electrocutes itself underneath the couch. (laughs) That's the last that we see of the cat. (laughs) That was kind of funny. (laughs) Cartoon, cartoon. And then Eddie and Clark have to take the couch out onto the street and they drop a little bread crumb to try, (laughs) bread crumb to try back into the very, very complex plot point earlier where Eddie was pouring the grey water down the storm drain Mm. and which is going to be another breadcrumb that comes up a little bit later in the film. And then when we get back inside, they see Uncle Lewis has burnt down Clark's pride and joy of the Christmas tree and just when things look like Christmas has gone to crap. There's a delivery driver who arrives with what Clark thinks is his Christmas bonus check, but actually it's a one-year membership to the Jello of the Month Club. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely perfect. One of the jokes that I didn't actually mind the whole time was that the rubbish pile out the front of the house kept getting bigger. Mm. I thought that was quite funny. They Mm. just kept chucking whatever it was would just go on the pile. That I enjoyed because it just got a little bit absurd. That they could have lent into and it was probably the only thing that they didn't lean into. More and more rubbish. It's Mm. such a fantastic metaphor for the entire (laughs) film. (laughs) More rubbish. More. Do more rubbish. He just keeps wrecking everything. Why did the tree catch on fire? Like why did it catch on fire so quickly? Did we know? Was it because Uncle Lewis was trying to light his stogie with a light from the Christmas tree? Was right. that it? Something along those lines. Oh, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. yeah, let's go with that. You can I don't tell think how after little this little interest I had at this yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, I to be honest, I stopped um, taking notes um, at about the yeah fiscally responsible down payment part. So <laughs> yeah, there we go. And then the his pride and joy, his Christmas. This guy can't handle his coin. I'm out. Yeah. And I was like, no. You are a disgraceful character. Mm-hmm. Like you can womanize as much as you like, but the minute you put your family's financial safety at risk, mm. I'm out. Shut I it down. Can't tolerate it. Mm. Get rid of it. Clark's pride and joy, his Christmas tree is burnt down and he loses his mind. Um, and also <laughs> Mantrum number two. Here we go. <laughs> yep. He wants to see his boss and I quote, look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, floor-flushing, low-life, snake-leaking, dirt-eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, <laughs> worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is. Yeah. Oh, Lindsay. <laughs> and I did wonder if this was improvised by Chevy Chase at some point. 
Interesting question. My first question, though, is did you transcribe that? Did you sit there and transcribe that yourself? Wow. Well done. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Bravo. Bravo. That was worth it. (laughs) Did you buy it when he was delivering it? Did you buy the scene? You're like, oh, he hates this guy. Uh, A little bit because he has so much resting on getting this money Mm -hmm. because we know that he's not, he can't even afford to be an elf and he's already put out all this money. Although at this point I would argue that he probably doesn't really care about his family too much anyway. So in terms of their long-term financial sustainability, I don't know how pressing it is of a concern (laughs) for him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair play. That's a fair play. Jello of the month club. (laughs) Mm. A lot of Jello references in this movie. What's your favourite type of Jello flavour? Quickly around the room. I feel like they all taste the same, don't they? Sugar water. Yeah. Uh, vegan can't have gelatin, and no, thank you. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, okay. don't eat Jelly hoofs. Yeah, okay. Fair no, enough. I love my hoofs. I've actually got a <laughs> hoof deficiency that's tapped up every Christmas with some trifle. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, thank God. I've been feeling low. Thank God, Christmas, you're here again. Uh, oh, hate the lights, love the jelly. The reserves are filled once more. <laughs> Ready to face uh, another year. Oh, that'll get me uh, That'll get me through my 365 days. <laughs> thank goodness. So Clark has his little meltdown and then the next thing we see, he's in the backyard cutting down a tree to replace the one that Lewis, Uncle Lewis has burnt. At the same time, the Versace neighbours are talking about how much they wish they had a Christmas tree when conveniently Clark smashes through their window with his own Christmas tree. More breakage. And just when you think that things couldn't possibly get any worse, Clark has set up his new Christmas tree in the living room when they hear a squeaking sound coming from inside and a squirrel jumps out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Spends at least five <laughs> minutes chasing them around the house. One of the grandmas faints <laughs> at the sight of oh. the squirrel in the house. Oh, oh no, a squirrel. And then it goes full Benny, H- Benny Hill. Yeah. And you could just have played that music and run it around, which is a small skit in another TV show. Doesn't need a whole movie, I don't think. No. I will say two times in my life a bird has made it into my house <laughs> and that has been like a Benny Hill <laughs> and it actually has been a massive freak out as it's trying to figure out how to get out of there and I'm trying to make sure that it's not hurting itself but it's got to get out and it's shitting all over the place and it is chaos. So I kind of could relate to this. But One I'm- of the ultimate highlights in life is bird in the classroom. Oh. <laughs> like that. I feel like that's, that's a top three. Yeah, that is definitely a top three mm. life moment. Moment of chaos, mm-hmm. bird in the classroom. Like everyone is losing it. Or <laughs> any kind of it. dog in the perimeter of the school. Also goes with that, yep. Top three school highlight moments. That's what yeah. we could do. We've or already done two. Another one is when it's, at least as a fantasy of mine, is when it's really stormy and you think that you have to sleep overnight at school. That's funny too. That's also very funny. That's very good. What about the rumour that if it's 35 degrees, everyone gets to go home? Yeah. <laughs> that was another good one. Like you're waiting at the clock. Oh, my God, are we going to get cancelled from school? It's going to be amazing. This might just be me and where I grew up, but I two times had a kid go nuts and um, pick up a staple gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Two times. Firing it. Two times. Yes. <laughs> Testament to the Central Coast of New South Wales. Let's go. Mm. That's very funny. Um, the neighbours, the Versace neighbours, uh, they've had enough of the Griswold's nonsense. So Julie Louise Dreyfus comes over and wants to give them a piece of her mind. But when she opens the door, the squirrel jumps on her face, which is followed by Eddie's dog. 
And for some reason, this Poor movie is woman. still mm-hmm. going. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we see Clark's dad pulls him aside and tells Clark that he can't lose his temper because he's too good of a father to do that and he doesn't want his kids to remember that version of Clark. Clark asks him how he survived the holidays and the dad said he had a lot of help from Jack Daniels. And then in a very touching call back to the very well-established and convincing <laughs> plot. That we're all so invested in. <laughs> Clark yes. asks his dad if he's going to read the night, the night Before Christmas to the family this year and the dad says that he's retired and it's Clark's job now. Oh, fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> is, is Clark's dad actually... The main character of this movie is he the is he the person that they wanted Clark to be, family he's, man. Oh, the well, hero. I mean, he, mm. yeah, like he's like the hey, mm. be an honest guy. If mm. if it is, they didn't do a very good job at establishing the grandfather as any kind of character in this movie. Mm. No, they gave him three lines and we just heard them. <laughs> hey, man, you're a good guy. Mm. You can be a good guy. Maybe I an was alcoholic, drunk at but um, <laughs> yeah, oh you yeah, didn't absolutely. Scream and shout and hit us. Yeah, so. so you were the yeah, okay I mean, kind of alcoholic. Yeah, didn't make you walk through the bush to get <laughs> a tree from the snow. Didn't like womanize the, you know, the 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 worker at the mall in didn't front of your son. Vandalize your neighbor's property again. Yeah, and totally. Again didn't and again. Um, spend the life savings on a pool <laughs> for Chicago winter. And the next thing we see is Eddie's RV arriving back home, and I think it's a testament to how boring this movie was that I didn't even notice that the RV had left. Eddie <laughs> brings back in Clark's boss, who he's got tied up, and then Clark starts a very moving speech about how he's worked for the company for 17 years and counts on this Christmas bonus as part of his salary, which made me a bit more depressed about being American than it did about anything else. And then the boss has a bit of a come to Jesus moment when he realizes that a healthy bottom line doesn't matter if you hurt people. So he's adding 20% to whatever bonus Clark got last year. Hilarious. All it took was being abducted and held hostage <laughs> yes. for him to develop a conscience. Mm-hmm. And if only every boss could go through a similar experience. So you th- for a 90-minute movie that went forever, they wrapped it up really quickly, didn't they? Oh, they no. just like mm. went, oh, hey, don't do that. And the boss went, yeah, you're right. Mm. Yeah, it's okay, like that they had a certain like allotment of time on the soundstage mm, and yes. somebody walked in and was like, guys, 15 minutes. Okay, let's get to it. Pack <laughs> <Yeah>. her, <laughs> her up, boys. <laughs> We've got a heart out at 5pm. <laughs> We're not paying you the penalty. Get it done, everyone. Or it's like they, um, they, they put all those filler scenes in mm. and then someone said, hey, guys, you know you've only you got 90 minutes. And they're mm. like, oh, but... We've already filmed those ones, so <laughs> like we'll just keep them. Can you just? Yeah, I agree. Actually, you know what? Yeah, you're right. The bonus is important. You can just have it. Oh, okay, cool. Forget the climax and the denouement. We'll just we'll yeah. just focus our energy on um, the side boob. No, you're correct. Oh, we've we've all got to get outside. The weather's hot. We've got the outdoor pool scene to film. That's what we're trying to get to. Do you think that the boss gives off uh, Oz vibes? Oz from the Wizard of Oz. Like the the oh. uh, the cranky mustachioed Oz, he comes out and he's clanging all the things. Mm. I feel like it's the same guy. It's obviously mm. not mm. different times, but I haven't seen The Wizard of Oz enough to know the character. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I thought you said enough. Lucky you said enough then. I've, I would have seen it at least once, but I don't know it that well. Mm. Spend all your time watching National Lampoons, <laughs> <Exactly>. obviously. <laughs> 
I know what you mean. I know what you mean. From watching big, Wicked, I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, big like... Bah, bah, bah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> and then at least half a dozen police who've got nothing better to do on their Christmas Eve night surround the house to rescue the boss and burst in through all the windows for some reason. But then More damage. the boss tells them that he's not pressing any charges because he realises that he did the wrong thing. <laughs> Can I... Clark's... Check is going to have to go to repairs in the house because he's <laughs> ruined the roof to the attic, window after window the after window house. has been destroyed. Yeah, so forget the pool and sorry, buddy, you've lost the device. <laughs> they <laughs> definitely swung through a broken window, as yes. in yeah. a window that had already been broken yeah. has been repaired and then rebroken. Mm-hmm. But he might get lucky, and this was my thought, he might get lucky in that the police may, it's America, they sue everyone for everything. He might just sue the police for mm. damages to the house because oh, you didn't need to do that. Mm. You didn't knock or you, you just broke in. So then the police have to fix the whole house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd believe that. Mm. Big yep. windfall for Clark. So it's actually worked out well for him. Gets the bonus mm. and his house is going to get repaired on the on the state's dime. Yeah, mm. actually quite entrepreneurial now that you put it that way. Mm. Absolutely. <laughs> kidnap someone. You want your house fixed? Just kidnap someone. Hopefully that's in the sequel. <laughs> Clark gets oh, litigious. We get that payoff. Mm. That'd be great. And then the final painful moment of the film, the kids see a shooting star outside, so they all run outside to watch it. When someone says that it's not a shooting star, it's light from the sewer plant. Because remember, the shitter was full, <laughs> so Eddie had to wash it all down the storm drain. And then Uncle Lewis drops a match. There's an explosion. And the relative who said the Pledge of Allegiance earlier, rather than saying grace, starts singing the Star Spangled Banner for some reason. And then the final thing that we see, because they had to <laughs> wrap up the their time on the soundstage and they've only got 15 minutes left, everyone is inside, including the boss, the boss's wife and all the cops. They're singing Christmas carols and Clark says... I did. <laughs> oh, mate. And finally, oh, we're all gosh. released from our prison of the National Lampoon's Christmas vacation. That, this <laughs> is the movie they show to the naughty kids now. <laughs> Instead of a lump of coal, it's it's a copy of this. They go, oh, use this QR code. It'll oh. take you something. And then it takes you to this and you can't close your phone <laughs> until you watch the whole movie. Like those ads that you can't skip. Oh, your eyes are peeled open <laughs> yes. like in a clockwork orange. Watch it. You have to watch it. That last scene, all it was missing was the was the woman from the mall to That's just true. walk through and be Maybe there she for was, some like, reason. I'd stop paying attention by this point, so I wouldn't be surprised if she was there. Yeah, <laughs> if there were like mid-credit roll scenes or something, I missed them because as soon as this was done, I think I probably even missed him saying I did it because I, I did it. You were like, I'm done with this. Yep. It's over. Great. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Lindsay, can we not? <laughs> <laughs> so we've made it. You, we uh, made it. Uh, just a heads up, everyone. I've because um, I know that everyone wanted to know. I've googled hot girl from National Lampoons. Mm-hmm. It was. Nicolette Scorsese. Oh. Oh, stop it. A relative of you Mr. Reckon? Martin. Maybe maybe Martin got off. I've got a role for you, young niece. Nicolette if this Scorsese. was nepotism casting, <laughs> and this is the best he of all people could get her. And this is the best <laughs> that role. That is an insult. This is the best role. Wait, she's with Sean Penn. Oh. The that- ex-girlfriend of Sean Penn. Huh. There you go. In the eighties, she must have been like an eighties glamour woman. I mm. assume, yeah. I'm assuming. Wonder if that just was probably or from after Madonna. Hmm. Once, uh, you know, here we go. National Lampoon's launching another epic career. <laughs> <laughs> 
the star well maker. That is the most surprising takeaway from this yep. film, I would say. Yeah. Uh, not 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 related. Not related mm. to um, Martin Scorsese. Okay, right. There you go. Mm. Um, and appears to not have been on any other movie. Uh, well, you know, she's just... <laughs> shock. I'm sure she made millions out of this appearance. Um, and she's been Fortune. able to just live comfortably ever since. And also, if you're in the best movie of all time, would you do another one? <laughs> yeah. You probably wouldn't, would you? Quit while you're ahead. Yeah. You're like, oh, I already did it. We oh, movies. Huh, done them. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> 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 are, are you guys are still doing this? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> movies. Oh, I remember those. <laughs> uh, Feel so sad for Julia Louis Dreyfus. She just keeps trying and trying and trying, but she's just never going to hit that high we hit with Christmas Vacation again. Yes, she had a crack with Seinfeld and Veep, but give it up, girl. You're never going to uh, reach that high again. What are you doing? Don't climb Everest twice, girl. <laughs> Relax. Relax. Simon, thank you so much for joining us on this wild ride. I'm glad that you had to suffer through National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for it, and may you never watch it ever again. I'm never coming back on this show <laughs> if you ask me to do that again. Someone's I will gonna come s- back as long as there's no homework. Someone's going to stop you in Uniqlo after Christmas and say, what have you done? Yeah. Yes. Are you okay? Yes. <laughs> have yeah. you forgiven I- Lindsay yet? No? Yeah. I've only been saying nice things about the show and then this is the this is the thanks. Yeah. It's like, hey, watch this movie. It'll be really fun. <laughs> it w- the conversation was very fun. The movie, less so. We'll get our revenge on you, Lindsay. <laughs> yes, we will. Mm. I like that. I like that. Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Good to have a Merry Christmas. Guys. Simon, Jacob, listeners. Uh... Merry happy. Yay. Yay. Yeah. Merry. Be merry. Yeah. Or, or don't be. It's up to or you. Or don't. Or don't. It's totally up to you. <laughs> Choose your own adventure. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Once again, Gisners, Merry Christmas. We hope you enjoyed that. We have another fun uh, movie watch party recap style episode coming for you next week. It is a New Year's classic. Lindsay, would you do the honours of revealing? It is the 2001 rom-com starring Renee Zellweger, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant. It is, of course, Bridget Jones' Diary. Girls, classic. I think I maybe was a little bit too passionate <laughs> in my defence of this movie along the way during our recap. Um, clearly it means a lot more to me than it did to you and our guest, Adam. Denston. Denston, thank you. From I- Gogglebox. We had lots and lots of fun. So, uh, yeah, tune in next Friday, Gisners, and we'll have that for you to enjoy. Merry Christmas. Bye. I'm just like, are you, uh, when you're watching this scene, I'm just like screaming in your head, being like, don't take it back, mm-hmm. don't take it mm-hmm. back, don't take it back, don't take it back, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. It's like, don't go in that door. There's a monster in there. Don't yep. go in that door. No, no, stop going to the door. Stop going through the door. Listener.